you have the authority. Because why? Because you have Christ. You have. Man, amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes we forget who we are in Christ. We got to continue. This is why I've been saying it. Not just weekly. Daily you should be renewing your mind. Hallelujah. This is a constant, constant, constant renewal. I don't remember when it was that I, that I preached this, um, but I do know I've said it many times, and we talk about this constantly, and we're going to constantly continue to talk about it. As long as I'm breathing, as long as you're breathing, you need to remind yourself who you are in Christ. Because there is an enemy that he is constantly, constantly, constantly trying constantly to bring you down. Constantly, constantly, consistently, constantly, that even makes sense, trying to destroy you, to steal from you, to kill you. Not only kill you physically, but kill your dreams, kill your aspirations, kill your mentality, kill your vision, kill what you're believing for. Sometimes we say the Bible comes to, the, 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 the Bible, it says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is true in all aspects of your life, not just physically. So we need to constantly, constantly, repetitively tell ourselves, renew our minds daily, refresh ourselves. Man, we need to know who we are in Christ and that we have the authority, glory be to God, over any of these Adverse situations that try to come against you and your family and your mind and your health and your well-being. Glory be to God. You are the head and not the tail. It's constant. It's a daily thing. And those of you, this part, you know what? It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Put your hands together, church. I'm very happy to be here this morning. I'm glad you were here. And let's also give it out. Give it up. Put your hands together for those of you watching us live. Thank you guys for tuning in. Amen. So we've been discussing, talking about the book of John. How many of you have been here the last two weeks or if not the last week or one of the previous weeks? If you've been here, you know what's been going down and amen. It's been a blessing and the Spirit of God has just been revealing himself and, and in my studies and now here and just speaking. And I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord and be here with you guys today. I'm going to continue the series. Uh, it is now, I'm going to part three, Dear John, part three. And I will do a quick little recap for all of you that possibly have, were not able to join um, in any of the previous weeks, excuse me, um, and yes, let's get to it because there is a lot of information. I don't know how long I'm going to continue this, but I do know that, man, it is great to speak on the word and to hear the word. And speaking of the word... This is what it says in John 1, 1, real quick, quick recap. It says here, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So we know that the Word is God. God's Word is God, church. 
Someone say amen. That is the truth. Here it's very plain. It's right there. You have to understand also between, well, we also have to know that this word that is God, that has always been, this is the word of God. Later on, this word became flesh. And this word that became flesh is known as Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember, Jesus has always existed, but it became flesh. He became 100% human, 100% God. The word of God. You have two types of words, ladies and gentlemen, and we spoke about it. You have what's called logos word, and then you have what's rema word. The difference between the two, one thing is to hear something, the literary term. Another thing, it's it becomes alive in you, the spoken word. Hearing something versus experiencing it. Many people believe in Jesus, but not everyone has experienced Jesus. We use the example, I love saying it when it comes to the cheeseburger. Oh, I always use that example. You have, you can read books on it. Man, you can know how to make the best burger. You can have, have, have uh, read all the top uh, ingredients, what uh, condiments to put on it, how to cook it. But man, it has nothing to do with until the day you actually, man, eat that thing. And you experience it. We can have a vac. You can plan a vacation. Talk about a place. Talk about. Let's talk about Rome. Read books about Rome, man. You can learn learn all about the historical facts. Read about all the archaeological historical things that have taken place in Rome. But it's not until you go visit Rome then you can actually experience it. Same goes for uh, when it comes to our relationship with Christ. Someone say Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. And we did part two, glory be to God. And in part two of Dear John, we spoke on the beginning of the first miracle that Jesus performed, amen, which was him turning water into wine. We know the symbolic representation of water and wine. Let me show you here. I know I have it here. Glory be to Jesus. Water is a symbol of purification. And the wine was a symbol of celebration. How many of you know Jesus purifies us? Glory be to God. And in Christ, we are free and we can celebrate. Someone say amen. And then we know what it said in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 is one of the top Possible, possibly, or, you know, iconic verses in all of the Bible. It's probably the core of all Christianity could be placed in that verse. In John 3.16, we summed it up and said, well, basically what it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave, gifted us his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. The gift because of God's love. Someone say amen. Salvation, faith, new birth. We also spoke on Nicodemus, the story of Nicodemus. And how, you know, Jesus always uses someone like Nicodemus to show us. And he, 
It's, 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 and through all throughout the book of John and throughout the Bible, Jesus is the best of the best of the best at teaching us things. Um, with our, I guess you would say, our common knowledge, with our carnal minds, and then obviously flipping it to letting us know and showing us the most important, which is the spiritual realm. Nicodemus said, what do I need to do? Jesus had told him, you need to be born again. Nicodemus said, how is this possible? Obviously, you can tell the carnal mind. How is it possible, Nicodemus? He's mentally disabled. <laughs> how is it possible? Obviously, it's spiritually disabled. Stop looking at me like that, church, please. He didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. That's why the Bible says the truth will set you free. And Nicodemus had no idea. He said, Jesus, what am I supposed to do? Get into, back into my mother's womb? No. Hello. This is, this is a spiritual birth, a rebirth. It means to be born from above. How many of you in here have been born from above? Say hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. How many of you in here have been born again? Somebody shout. Somebody, man, I don't know if you guys drank your coffee this morning. God has a word for you this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. Thank you, Father God, Lord, for every single person in this place. Thank you, Father, for each and every person that's watching me live right now. Holy Spirit, have your way. Take total control. Use me as your vessel, as your instrument, Father God. May my desires be completely shut down, Lord, and may you have your way 100%. Take over right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. So part three, dear John, part three. I have here for four to six, John four to six. And this is very interesting. I'm, th th throughout this whole series, I've, I've, I've dived into this in a very different manner. Guys, I am growing with you. I mean, someone ready? What, what do I mean by that? Well, listen, this journey, we all are in this together, guys. <laughs> I am a human just like you. And I have my walk with God just as you have your walk with God. You have your avenue. Everyone has their road in this life. We all need Jesus. We all need to grow knowing more about Jesus, about the word of God, which is God. And I love the fact that how, you know, you can also see, I've also seen a lot of you guys growing. And it's beautiful to see how God has molded a lot of individuals here. And myself included, the more you dive into the word, the more you study the word, the more intimacy you have with God. Man, it's a beautiful thing. And it's great to see how even when you study things differently or when you make certain adjustments in your life and you see the different results in a positive way I'm speaking. This can go both ways, by the way. Obviously, that doesn't happen in this church. We all choose life, amen? And if you haven't, we'll continue today. You better start, amen? Well, the reason why I just brought all that up is because the way that I've been studying this, dissecting this, and preaching it, it's more of a teaching. And, man, the God's glory and the way you view this gospel, the gospel of John, I've read it so many times and studying it and... Uh, this, just looking, uh, 
how can I say this? I separate myself when I study, and it's a beautiful thing how the man, the power of God just shows up, man. Take time. If you have not take, taken time really to be intimate with God and in your own alone time, I urge you to start. You need to hear, man. And I said this last week. I said it in a preaching prior. Jesus says he is our shepherd and my sheep hear his voice. If you are his sheep, it's because you are a child of God. We want, man, the more you spend time with him, the more you're going to know his voice. Spend that intimate time. This is great that you're here, but it's important. I urge you to do it. Because what happens there in that hiding place, that secret place, that intimacy that you have with God, reading the word of God, which is God, amen, things become rema to your spirit. It becomes life. And then you get to see things and view things and you grow in ways that you never imagined. Because that's why the Bible says, man, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. So in John 4, and the more I begin to get into this and dissect it, it's great how Jesus, uh, and, I'm, and he was just speaking to me on how you just see the, the way Jesus uses physical attributes and ties them in spiritually so that we can understand them. Like I just said earlier about Nicodemus, and now on John chapter 4, he talks about thirst, talks about hunger. Eating versus drinking. Jesus is the best prime example of using real life examples and making us realize at the end of it all, the spiritual side of life while teaching us things in the natural. And obviously the most important is, man, this, the, the, look what it says here in Ephesians 6, 12. I want you to understand the importance the spiritual realm is, is the deepest. It's where it's at. It's extremely more, much more important than the physical. Look what it says here. In Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the principalities and rulers, dark, of, excuse me, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, so this is obviously who our battle is against. Why am I bringing this up? Well, we know one thing is for sure. We battle against this, but we also have our power in the spiritual realm. Just as there's an opposition, man, we are in the team of God. Who's in God's team in here? Say amen. You see, this is our, this is perfectly, you can understand that there, there is a struggle, but it's in the spiritual realm. You are fighting against something physical. This isn't something, man, the spiritual realm is what's real. And this is why I brought this up, because Jesus uses physical examples to let us know and understand. This is more than just about a physical hung, hunger or a physical thirst. Man, he is the bread of life. Look what it says here. Hallelujah. I'm already getting ahead of myself. You guys ready? Say, say amen if you're ready. John 4, 7 through 14. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her. And Jesus, if you read the previous verses, he was tired. The Bible says he sat and asked it. And he sat down and 
he saw he saw the Samaritan woman. Jesus said to her, excuse me, will you give me a drink? Look what it says here in verse 8, in parentheses. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So right now we know Jesus is alone with this Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew. I'm reading the ESV here. Excuse me. I'm, I was reading the NIV. I'll read this along so we can all go together, okay? How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me? A woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Go to the next verse. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and, you, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Wow. Look what it says in verse 11. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Look what it says here. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Go to the next verse. Jesus said to her, everyone, pay attention, church, this is for you. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Go to the next one. But whoever drinks of the water that I gave him will never, never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become, in a will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Eternal life. In this, in this version, it's, it, the NIV says, but whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never, ever be thirsty again. You see, his water, man, this, this is incredible. If you look at the connotation here, if you look at the symbolic representation Jesus obviously was thirsty. His body, his physical form, he needed water. But he ended up speaking to this Samaritan woman. When he was speaking to her, he let her know, man, there's something much greater. Much, if you understood who you were talking to, listen, Jesus, that water, man, he will quench your thirst like you have no idea. His... Water, you will never be thirsty again. Ever. And look what it says here in John 4, 31. While the, when the disciples come back, and this is incredible because two things that are interesting here. These disciples come back because they went to go get food. Because Jesus was hungry. They were all hungry. And he was thirsty. So he uses that example about the thirst. He's sitting, first of all, two things here. Women thousands of years ago had very, very, very little, what would you call, uh, rights. You know, as a matter of fact, not even 100 years ago, women were able to vote, let alone now they're taking over the world. <laughs> now you women are taking over. But thousands of years ago, speaking to a woman in and, and this, and this manner was already something like, wow. And if you continue reading, you would see how the disciples and the disciples said, okay, he's speaking to this woman. Not only was it a woman, it was a Samaritan woman. 
And as you saw when I was preaching earlier, when I was reading the verses, you see it very well. It said, you are a Jew. What are you speaking to a Samaritan for? You see, this is another representation, man, that Jesus not only, not only is going to take the time to sit and speak with this individual. He's letting them know, man, if you're thirsty, you can drink real, from real water. One that will, oh, you'll never be thirsty again. Meaning that what he has for the Jews, what he has, man, for the Gentiles, you don't need. This is, I am the Messiah. This water is for everyone. Not just for the people that are Jewish. Now I have died for everyone. Everything, what I'm here to do is to save all of humanity. It doesn't matter what race. It doesn't matter what skin color you are. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. Or whatever else you may think you are. We'll pray for you after. Jesus died for everyone. Put your hands together, church. And I can say that now in 2023. <laughs> if you believe that you're, I don't know what, we'll, we'll pray for you. And guess what? Jesus died for them too. For everyone. Repent. And we all need to repent. Let's read what it says here now in John 4, 31 through 38. Look what it says here. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Go to the next one. But he said to them, I have, oh God, I love it. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So now imagine this. The disciples just went into town, brought him food. Jesus was hungry. And all of a sudden, Jesus tells them, what do you, go back to verse 32, please. Then Jesus, then Jesus tells them, I have food that, to eat that you, know, you don't know anything about. So the disciples are like, what do you mean? This guy probably is hiding food somewhere. <laughs> and this is a beautiful thing when you understand. Look how Jesus portrays this and lays it out so that we can understand the profoundness of what he's trying to really let us know. Or let them know. But he knows we were going to be here today preaching. Someone say amen. And you are going to be listening and receiving. Glory be to God. Go to the next one. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Like, hey, who brought him something to eat? What is Jesus talking about? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Go to the next one. Do, do you not say they are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. I think I'm going to say that again to someone here in the church. Maybe someone in the internet is paying, someone paying attention to me. Do you not say we got to wait four months for the harvest? Look, I tell you, Jesus said, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Man, right now is the time for your harvest, church. He is your provider now. He has something for you now. Wow. Look what it says here. Keep going to Look what it says here in verse 36. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. Go to the next verse. 
For here the, the saying holds true. And we know this is true. How many of you know this church? We talk about sowing and reaping, right? Whatever you plant, something's going to come out. This is very interesting. Focus on this. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. Look what Jesus is saying. Go to the next verse. I send you to reap that which you did not labor. Wait a minute. Jesus just said, one thing is true, and then now something, okay, hang on. So you just told me it is true. The verse, go to the previous verse. You're doing a good job back there. Thank you so much. I'm kind of like jumping around there. Let's give it up. Thank you, guys. I'm making them play like tennis match with me. Go back, go forward. All right. Church, you're with me. Say amen. Good. For here the saying holds true. It's like, hey, Jesus, I'm, letting, I'm Jesus, I'm talking to you. Hey, guys, so this saying is true. What one sows, another reaps. Go to the next one. I send you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Go to the next one. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Let's go back. Thus saying, verse 37, thus saying, one sows and another reaps is true. Verse 38 says, I send you to reap what you have not worked for is here in this, in the NIV version. So what does that mean? You see, Jesus did something. What is it? He knows what he was about to do. Jesus came to serve. He came to be our substitute. You see, what he sowed, now we can reap. By what Jesus is about to do, he's there talking. He knows that one day he's going to have to take the ultimate sacrifice. He's going to have to sow himself for our benefit. Someone understand it. Someone with me say amen. Amen. Put your hands together. I send you to reap what you have not worked for. In this case, he's talking about, man, what he, for himself. We can never achieve. Never. Without, without, without what Christ did for you and me, we can never achieve what we can achieve now because of what Jesus did for us. That sacrifice that Jesus made. We now can reap the benefits because of what he did for us. What Jesus did for us. Now we can reap the benefits. And this is not about, hey, how many mistakes I've made, what I've done in my past. Don't allow the enemy to continue to tell you that. The Samaritan woman thought she wasn't worthy. Stop thinking you're not worthy. You don't need to dress a certain type of way. You don't need to talk a certain type of way. You were formed before you were in your mother's womb. God, man, has a plan for your life. Stop walking with your head down. Stop looking for excuses. You can't do it by yourself. You need a savior. That's why Jesus said, well, you're going to reap this benefit. is not from what you did, but from what I did for. Someone put your hands together, church. And this also is going to humble you as well, which you should be, because if you think it's all because of what you did, then you have a problem. The Bible says your works are as filthy rags. 
And guess what? It's nice to be a nice guy. It's nice to be a nice person and do nice things. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen. But the problem is when you think what you do is making you worthy. Because then you will think it's all because of what you do and not what because Jesus did for you. You got to change that mentality. John 5, verse 1 through 11. I'm going to go through this quick. Hallelujah. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, in Aramaic, in Aramaic called Bethsaida, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. I'm going to explain now what all this is. One man was there who had been invalid, paralyzed, or paralyzed for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred up, excuse me, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. So now the man's already, you can already see where the man's faith is just by that response. Jesus said, get up. Take your bed and walk. Go to the next verse. And at once the man was healed. And he took up his bed and walked. Now, that day was the Sabbath. I love how Jesus does miracles like this on the Sabbath. In Jerusalem. If you don't know what goes on in Jerusalem, well, Jerusalem's the holy of holies, ladies and gentlemen. And back then, I mean, even today, for those individuals that... You know, that do not have Jesus in their hearts. They're still, you know, they're still, uh, they still believe that. Man, you are, the, Jesus is the holy one. There's, the land isn't really, isn't holy. It's the holy one is Jesus. Someone say amen. Because that religiosity, this is, there's, there's many different connotations here from the first verse to the ninth verse that I just read. The pool represents religion. The Sabbath also represents religion. Laws, works, the sweat from your brow. Remember, we have an Old Testament. We also have a New Testament. We have an Old Covenant. Now we have a New Covenant because of Jesus. You see, before there was a law, Jesus came and fulfilled that law. So as you can see here, Jesus shows up now in this, uh, go, go, to verse, go to verse 1 and 2, please. Start with verse 1. There was a feast. Okay, Jesus went to Jerusalem. Go to number 2. There we go. Jerusalem by the sheep gate. What is this sheep gate? This is one of the entrances inside. The, there's, if you go to Jerusalem, it's still, well, we're not going to go now to Jerusalem, but we, I've been there many times. Pray for Israel, amen, and for what's going on over there. But other than that, inside of Jerusalem, there's, there's a, it's a fortified city. There's different entrances to this city in Jerusalem. And a sheep gate, by that sheep gate was an entrance. What would happen in this time, thousands of years, well, they still, I think they still do this to this day. Especially the Orthodox Jews, for sure they do it. 
Anyways, what happens is, is that this period, what they do is they sacrifice the lamb, the sheep. And they look for the best sheep and they enter through this gate. And what they do is they dip them in this pool. And this pool was a symbolic representation of purifying it right before they sacrifice it. And as if you can see, go on to the next verse. You can see there by this pool, there's a multitude of people that are paralyzed or that are invalid or that are blind or that are sick because they think that this pool is going to heal them. Are you with me, church? Say amen. amen. So what is going on here, and it's beautiful how Jesus, all of a sudden, we're all here, we're all together on the same page. Amen. So I just want to make sure of this because now all this is happening, and at the end of the story, we know that the guy was healed. At the end of the story, Jesus already knew that this man, one of the many people that were there, had a problem. And that he'd been there for a while, 38 years being paralyzed. That's a long time. This man must have been there for how many years? I don't know. The Bible's not specific. But the beautiful thing is, is that not only is this in Jerusalem, the holy of holy places, there's, it's filled with Jesus' best friends, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and all the Jewish leaders that just love Jesus, which we know that they don't. I'm being exaggerating, church. They hated him. But Jesus knows that he's Jesus. He is God. He shows up on the holiest day of the holiest day in the holiest place to perform a miracle, which on Sabbath day, if you don't know, you're not supposed to do anything. Which is another reason for why Jesus chose this day to do this miracle. Because Jesus, not only is he a representation of, is not, first of all, the man didn't go in the pool. Jesus is the one that heals you, not some pool. Someone say amen. Your source comes from above, comes from God. So right there, he's already establishing, I am the one who heals. And another thing he's establishing on the day of Shabbat, Sabbath. He's establishing, man, the I am your rest, not some day out of the week. You know that Jesus is your rest. How many know that that is your Sabbath? He is your Shabbat. He is your rest. We don't need a rest on a certain day. We need to constantly be resting on God. That's an everyday 24-7 thing. And he wanted to be sure that all of the Pharisees, Sadducees, and all the E's and all the Jewish leaders and all the individuals, the multitude of the paralyzed, the invalids, the blinds, all of the individuals. He wanted all of them to know he is the one who heals. He is the rest. Someone say amen. amen. 